a horn section, right, Dr. Michael Korn? I, I love groups that have a horn section. How about you? Absolutely. It's a, it's a little bit of a throwback that brings back good memories for me. Yeah, whether it's uh, Blood, Sweat, and Tears or Chicago, they're yet another one. Dr. Michael Korn is here with us, medical doctor, cardiologist, researcher. He's also with Encore Docs. Encore Docs has offices right here in St. Augustine next to Flagler Hospital in the Whetstone Building. You can learn more about all the medical research that they do and how you can participate and get some amazing health care in the process and be on the cutting edge of medicine by going to EncoreDocs.com, E-N-C-O-R-E, EncoreDocs.com. And we continue, doctor, to have a real issue with diabetes and health-related obesity, that sort of thing, don't we? We do, uh, and that's very apropos for today since it's National Diabetes Day today. So it's a good day to think about it and talk about it, but as is well known, we have an obesity epidemic in the United States and other Western countries, and certainly uh, one of the manifestations of the obesity epidemic is type 2 diabetes when your body cannot make enough insulin to keep up with its needs. Yeah. And Dr. Corrin, it seems like anecdotally that more people are dealing with a diabetes diagnosis today than when a lot of these songs came out in the 70s or 80s. Is that true or is it just because we weren't, you know, we didn't quite acknowledge it back then as much? Oh, there's no doubt that the, the trends over time have clearly shown that the population is heavier, more likely to have diabetes and more likely to have other what we call metabolic syndrome consequences of being overweight. Yeah. Well, once again, there's some data out this morning that has the most overweight and obese states in the United States. West Virginia is number one, followed by Mississippi, Arkansas, Alabama, Louisiana. And those states, not too ironically, Dr. Corrin, also have some of the worst health outcome rates, too. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt about that. There is a correlation between higher rates of obesity, higher rates of diabetes, and worse outcomes. Yeah. How do we know, doctor, if, you know, if you're pre-diabetic or you have diabetes? I mean, is it always going to be that if you are obese, you are going to be diabetic? Or are there other things that people should be mindful of? Not necessarily. There, there are people who are overweight who are not diabetic and really don't have any glucose issues or insulin issues. But certainly there's a big subgroup of people who gain weight and they become insulin resistant, meaning that even though your body is making insulin, it, uh, the, your body becomes refractory to the effects of insulin, which leads to higher and higher blood sugars. It's associated with high blood pressure. It's associated with high triglycerides and cholesterol issues, and then ultimately multiple complications from a cardiovascular standpoint. Yeah. Hey, if you're just tuning in, that's the voice of Dr. Michael Korn. He joins us here on Monday mornings right around this time, and of course, he is with Encore Docs. So transitioning a little bit over to medical research, you know, are we making some progress with the treatment of type 2 diabetes, and are you all involved in any of that? We are, and it's a, it's a super interesting story, and we have been involved in this story for a number of years. And it's interesting. It really goes back to the 1990s when there was a debate about how aggressive to lower sugar levels in diabetics. We, we knew that diabetes was associated with increased complications of heart disease, but it wasn't clear that lowering glucose would be the solution. And the reason for that, there was concern that if you lowered glucose too much, you'd have lots of complications of hypoglycemia. But there was a very important study that was done, actually done for over 20 years, but came out in the 90s, called the UK PDS study, which was a, a United Kingdom prospective diabetes study. And it showed, in fact, that tight glucose control was better than sort of looser glucose, glucose control in terms of uh, complications of diabetes. Hmm. But at the same time, some of the diabetes drugs that were being developed 
were shown to have these what we call off-target effects, meaning that they made certain things worse. So there's a class of drugs called TZDs, and uh, the one of the, the medicine in this class that was most concerning was a drug called troglitazone, a resulin, that we actually worked with back in the 90s, and um, it got on the market and was associated with having some major problems with the liver in a few patients, but enough patients where the FDA pulled the drug from the market. And uh, the other interesting part of it is that the other drugs in that class, uh, for example, Actos, are associated with fluid retention and can make congestive heart failure worse. Mm. So based on this experience uh, with the FDA, and it's actually a little bit of a more of a study of intrigue, which I can get to in a second, but the FDA then started to think that if you're going to develop a new diabetes drug, you have to show that it's actually safe from a cardiovascular viewpoint. That's when we got involved. I'm a cardiologist, as you know, and, and we had sponsors come to us and say, okay, well, we want to develop this diabetes drug. But we want to make sure it's not harming the cardiovascular patients. Would you be willing to do a safety study? And we said, sure. So we did the safety studies, and something very, very interesting happened is that there was a certain class of drugs that not only were safe in cardiac patients, but actually made, made, made cardiac patients better. Hmm. And two elements of this class, one is called the GLP-1s, and probably the most famous example of that is Ozempic, which is aggressively advertised. Yes. And one of the, quote, positive side effects of that drug is weight loss. Hmm. And then there is another class called the SGLT2 inhibitors, which actually help the body get rid of glucose through the urine. That has also been shown to not only be safe in critic patients, but actually to save lives in people with congestive heart failure. So interestingly, both of these classes of drugs that were developed as diabetes drugs are now used in non-diabetics hmm. because of these, quote, positive side effects. So the FDA has approved the GLP-1 class for weight loss, even in non-diabetics. And right now, we're actually using these drugs to treat congestive heart failure patients that are not diabetic. Hmm. So talk about an interesting turn in drug development. Yeah. Hey, that's Dr. Michael Corrin. And I would imagine, too, if you're someone listening, driving around this morning, listening to us, Dr., if they are dealing with some coronary heart cardiac issues or they have diabetes, there are opportunities for them to get involved in some research, right? Absolutely. Well, in a given time, we're doing different projects that help with drug development, and, and some of these things are device-oriented studies, so there's not even a drug involved, but we're looking at different ways of helping people with heart disease get beyond their limitations and have very active and productive lives. Yeah. Well, it's pretty cool stuff, and we highly recommend that you reach out to them. I've participated in medical research with Encore Docs. Karen on our team has as well. We highly recommend working with them. They're here local in Northeast Florida with offices right here in St. Augustine near Flagler Hospital in the Whetstone Building. Learn more by going to EncoreDocs.com. That's EncoreDocs.com. You can also call this number, 904-730-0166. That number again, 904 730 0166. Dr. Michael Corrin, thank you very much for joining us. We'll speak with you again next Monday, okay? Always a pleasure, Kevin. Thank you. Sugar.